you gotta have a thick skin as far as failure goes. If you don't like failing, you're gonna have a long road ahead of you. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So there's this new backpacking food company called Peak Refuel. And honestly, I, I gave them a shot for my last backpacking trip. Y'all, it was literally the best backpacking food I've ever had in my life. I was so impressed by them that I wanted to reach out and get a deal for our listeners. So if you keep listening to the episode, I'll tell you how to save 20% off an order with them. Hey friends, check out powder7.com, new sponsor for the Adventure Sports Podcast. I've worked with these guys for a couple of years, and two of my sons have bought their most recent pairs of skis there. What's cool is that while they do sell new skis, they also sell previously used demo skis. And these demo skis come with demo bindings, so no need to remount anything. And they are sold for less than half of what you would have to pay otherwise. Great deal, great website, great people. Check out powder7.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Danner. Really functional, really good-looking hiking boots, but they can serve all kinds of purposes. Uh, Check them out, danner.com. All right, welcome to the show. Today I have... Bart Lamel, and he's going to tell us about his adventure experiences as well as how it's changed for him over the years. Bart, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, do you do you remember picking up a couple cyclists in uh, Gunnison about I don't know three years ago? Uh, yeah, I do. I uh, I was heading out of town, heading to the East Coast um, from Crested Butte, and uh, had a big trailer attached to my truck and my mountain bike and uh, I was heading to New York to pick up a tree. And yeah. Yeah. There was these two guys standing on the side of the road with mountain bikes and pack bikes really. Uh hitchhiking and uh I'm guessing that was you. Dude, that was me and my friend. How crazy is that? That's pretty funny, man. Yeah, I remember, man. You had like you had a mohawk and and you were had a trailer, and I'm like, where are you headed? You're like to the East Coast. I'm like, holy crap! What? <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I had you a, right at the beginning of the trip, man. Yeah, I had a I had a uh, my my family tree finally blew over in my front yard. Eighty five year old maple that was like the the center of our driveway for years, and finally. Gave up the ghost, so I went back there to pick up some big pieces of the trunk, which is like four, four and a half feet wide, and uh, I milled it up, so I'm going to make some furniture for my family. Did you ever do anything with it? It's still drying. Oh, yeah, of course. That's of the course. problem with that type of stuff. Yeah, you, I cut it into like three and four inch slabs, huge slabs uh, with, a, with a chainsaw mill, and um, after dragging it back here, and... Uh, but still drying. I'm actually right about that three-year period where I could start working with some of the smaller pieces. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is a good place to do that because it's so dry out here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if I broke any rules taking 
you know, agricultural product across state lines and stuff, but yeah, you know, well, I don't think you like you were hiding it. It's just pretty hard to hide a big old tree dragging across the country. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I got a lot. I got a lot of people. It, it, it was really actually kind of funny dropping into like gas stations and stuff. People are like random people will come up to you and talk to you and be like, wow, that's a nice looking piece of tree right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah. We, me and my buddy were, were on a trip and we were running out of time. He had to fly out, and so we're like, dang it, we don't have enough time to do the whole loop, so we decided to to get a little closer to where we were finishing so we could uh, he could get back in, home for his flight. But I remember that, and I remember when we got in touch, I'm like, man, I recognize this guy's name, and sure enough, man, it was you. That's so cool. You, you, left, really nice. you left an impact on us, for sure. You were, you were a fun energy. We were having kind of a rough trip, so I appreciate that. Well, it's a, it, you, you, you had bitten off a big big role you know um so uh you know i, I figured it, it, it you guys were way too out of the norm not to pick up put it that way. <laughs> yeah it's like i was like something's up here i was like there's a story here for sure yeah and, <laughs> and here we are doing this oh so yeah so why don't you well What's your background? Where are you from? Uh, what kind of sports were you doing uh, early on in life, and how did you end up in Crested Butte? Um, well, yeah, I grew uh, I grew up in New York, uh, right outside the city, just up just up out of the city on the Hudson, in the Hudson Valley. And um, from like sixth grade on, I knew I was moving to Colorado. I came out here for my sister's graduation from DU, and I was like, and I was just like, that's it, like this is that's it. You know, this is where I'm coming and, uh, this is where I'm going to end up. And so, uh, I was always a, I was always a sports fanatic. I grew up as a ski racer, football player, lacrosse, um, you know, playing basketball in the park till, you know, well past dark, you know, whatever I could do physically, I was, I was, that's what I did, you know, and, um, from a very early age. And, uh, I just, I loved it. I wasn't as much, I wasn't much of an academic. Uh, growing up, I didn't I didn't get it very much, um, and uh, wasn't very good at it. But I was good at sports, and and I ended up getting accepted to Western State College out here. And I mean, come on, you live in Gunnison, and you you can hitchhike, and within forty minutes you're skiing Crested Butte. Yeah, true. Come on, you know like you can't you can't beat it, and uh, and you get and you get to live here and for a kid like me with my mentality and just wanting to be here. And it was like the perfect thing. So I ended up, ended up a Western and, um, you know, did went through everything, you know, as far as, like I said, played the cross there, um, on the club, which was a lot of fun. We did a ton of volleyball. We did, uh, you know, you know, we were snowboarders, skiers, got into kayaking, raft guiding, you know, mountain biking, uh, a little bit of climbing, not, to, not so much more just like messing around what, what we, what they call bouldering now, I guess was what we would do back then. We just scramble around on stuff. Um, but just being, you know, connected to the outdoors and, and kind of adventure things in general, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was like any obsession over one thing, maybe kayaking really, um, was the one thing that I definitely obsessed over many years okay skiing um so you're just kind of an all-around athlete you also played in a couple punk rock bands right 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in a few punk rock bands, bands in college, and then uh, I, I was in a band called Daddy Likes Men that uh, we did an ex- <laughs> extensive three-year tour of the Gunnison Valley. Oh, man, I almost spit uh, up my coffee. 90s. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we were uh, kind of the token punk band for the Valley at the time. Um, and, uh, it, you know, just fun stuff. Uh, it, it, nothing serious, just us being goofballs and in our twenties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just being in your twenties is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, and you've done a couple big adventures. Like, uh, you did a huge motorcycle adventure in Mexico, right? Yeah. We've, I've done a couple of more, uh, just recently really in the past few years, uh, I'll probably, we'll probably get into that later. Um, uh, kind of like a, I, I discovered adventure, uh, motorcycling. Um, so more, you know, enduro, bikes and doing uh bigger trips on those i've never i've always been i've always liked dirt biking i've always been into that since i was a kid but um i never never got into the street thing um and you know in a lot of ways discovering that about four or five years ago really really kind of saved my life in a lot of ways uh provided me an outlet for adventure that otherwise I, i i didn't have um due to the injuries that i've sustained over the years so yeah, so did you beat yourself up quite a bit? Yeah, yeah. My brother, my, my brother always called me. He was like, he would introduce me, and he'd be like, "Yeah, this is Bart, and he's my brother, and one of the world's greatest athletes. Yet he's the biggest klutz on the planet." So <laughs> uh, at the same time, so yeah, it's a recipe, man, for disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was kind of able to physically do anything, and I was also able to hurt myself doing it at the same time. Um, and, uh, unfortunately I've had some body parts that over the years have given out, um, mainly the, the main problem I have is my, both my ankles are pretty much, I don't have any cartilage left, um, in both my ankles and they're just kind of arthritic, you know, uh, eight surgeries later on those suckers. And, uh, we're basically by Biden time to when I can do a replacement, um, or a, uh, or fuse them. I'm just a little bit too young for both of those. So I'm, I'm uh, kind of plodding along, trying to trying to wait for technology to catch up and for me to get a little bit older so I don't wear things out more. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, so when, when did those, uh, when did they start giving you problems, your ankles? Well, <laughs> well, it all, uh, the ankle problems all started back. It was, it, it took a long time to get, to mess up everything. And, uh, but you know, to get it where it is now, I mean, we're talking a, you know, 28 year period, uh, it all started with a mistimed jump between a deck and a carport in college and, um, uh, broke my left ankle, didn't quite make it Mm. and fell into the car park and there might've been some alcohol involved, maybe, you know, and, uh, (laughs) we, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, wasn't exactly the best decision maker uh, for a long time. So broke my ankle and then I playing lacrosse. I tore it up again the next year. Um, and then on my right ankle, that was my left ankle, my right ankle uh, over the previous, over the next like 15 years, I had probably about 15 really good high ankle sprains on both ankles and just kept going. You know, volleyball wasn't a help. Um, hurt him a lot playing sand volleyball. Um, a few waterfalls to, you know, nothing like a 30 foot drop to rocks, you know, kayaking. Did kayaking 
help, I mean, hurt your ankles as well? Yeah, mainly just because of, of those impact. Like when I mm. look back on it at the time, I didn't think that those few times that I like, you know, you'd, you'd come off even 15, 20 foot falls. And if you didn't hit them right and you were and you smack some rock, man, I, I put a lot, you know, I mean, enough to blow out the whole bulk, bulkhead of the boat, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's a lot of impact and. You know, it's kind of an accumulative, accumulative thing, which is, I think, one of the main things that happens with most of us who are in adventure sports and in things that are, you know, we define ourselves physically in so many ways. The people who do these sports, um, whether it be skiing or, you know, um, you know, dirt biking or, uh, you know, uh, um, climbing, we take a lot of impact. It's a lot. It's a lot of torque on a body and the body parts and it's very hard to come through that without you know really damaging some stuff something over the years unfortunately if you mix that if you mix kind of an ad unfortunately i found out if you mix an attitude of ah just keep moving you'll be fine you know rub a little tough on it um the ability to deal with pain evidently i have a pretty high tolerance for pain um, I'm not trying to brag. It's really actually a really bad thing. And, uh, you find that out too late, you know, just a tenacity and a, and a, and a, and a, and a want to adventure. And you mix all those things together and you can really screw yourself up because you don't tend to pay attention. Uh, you know, you've been, you've been, been able to physically overcome the world for a long time. Um, just throw yourself at the world and, and just keep going. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the world becomes just harder and harder and harder and it catches up to you. You know, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends who are in that boat right now. I'm I'm 48 years old, just turned 48 years old, and a lot of people in my peer group are really seeing the the detriments to their bodies and you know trying to redefine themselves. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the age, man. It's the mileage. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and I've been really the catalyst of my injuries really came. In 2000, about 2008, 2009, I was really getting to the point where, like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't work anymore. I couldn't function anymore physically. And I'm a carpenter, right? By by trade, that's where I ended up. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did it affect your work? Well, you know, well, that's, you know, and being a carpenter was another notch on that whole oh, yeah. thing. You know, you kind of hurt yourself one thing, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you know, you're moving yourself through a seven, eight hour day, lifting heavy things. And you're just like, you keep moving, keep moving, keep moving until then you can't. And, uh, so, you know, it's kind of get it from both ends, right. In my situation. Yeah. So, you know, I ended up at a point where I had to rebuild my right ankle cause it was just done. And they did a major surgery. I, I opted to do it all at once, even though the doctor was a little bit like, do you want to do this all at once? And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. I've had at that point, I had already had what, four or five surgeries. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm used to it, whatever. And uh, they they ended up cutting my tibia to realign it with my talus and then cut my heel bone to realign that with my talus as well to line everything up. They put my peroneal, my peroneal tendons were, were severed, so they put that back in place. They dug out all the arthritic and scar tissues bolt me all back together and then put this external fixator on my foot with like nine bolts going through my foot and my leg and to hold everything together, but also to, to separate the joint 
so that I could grow scar tissue inside the joint. So I'd had actually have space inside the joint because I was like bone on bone. Um, so they did this all once. It was like a five and a half hour surgery. And the second I woke up, I was like, oh, I made a bad decision. I knew it right away. I've never been in that much pain in my entire life. I broke the hospital bed, cranking on it. Like uh. I, I've never been A, in that much pain. I've absolutely in my entire life never been that drugged up ever. I remember the at one point they had me on Oxycontin, Oxycodone, and Dilaudin all at the same time just to try to get ahead of the pain. So like I said before, Peak Refuel is a new company making freeze-dried food. And it's literally the best freeze-dried meals I've ever had. You can use it for backpacking, camping, hunting, whatever you want to use it for. And these folks are the real deal. They spent over two years researching the market and creating the perfect recipes. And it is just absolutely awesome. I used the meals on my last guided trip. And the people on the trip could not even believe that it was freeze-dried food. Literally, you put a cup of water in it. It's like a cup or a cup and a half. It's, it's not very much water. And it tastes like it came from a restaurant. That's how good it is. If you're interested in ordering some yourself, you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and use ASP20 at checkout. I encourage you, go get some, try it for yourself. It's amazing. This is Colorado nature photographer John Fielder with a great idea for gifting our state this season. Don't get mad at me. My latest Colorado book actually takes the color out of colorful Colorado. Carpets of purple columbine, forests of yellow aspens, and buff-colored herds of elk are rendered in black, white, and gray. You'll be mesmerized by the edges, shapes, and textures of our most beautiful of states. You'll love it. Visit johnfielder.com to see my new book, Colorado Black on White. That's johnfielder.com. And uh, I remember when the nurse came in, she's like, okay, we got to test you out on your crutches. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, I came focused. So, yeah, so I ended up with that large reconstruction, and that was in October. Things in my life weren't going that great. The economy wasn't that great. I was, uh, you know, really struggling financially. Uh, oh, yeah. Surgeries ain't cheap either. Yeah, surgeries ain't cheap. Especially about a dozen of them. <laughs> Yeah, like I had good insurance, but you know, you're talking about $170,000 surgery. One thing leads to another. By the time you know I'm all said and done, I'm in I'm in uh, February, separated, getting divorced, losing my house, and uh, I've got a huge blood clot in my leg that I didn't know about. Went from my knee all the way down through my foot, and uh, I don't feel very well. So I go to the hospital, and sure enough, I got five blood clots in my lungs. So it was a very sobering time. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So uh, I went through really big shift, you might say, in my whole reality at that point. And not just, not just because it's one thing getting divorced. Okay. Yeah. You're going through a thing like that. But everything I dealt with up until that point was an injury is physical, right? You know, like I could, somebody could show me an x-ray and I could look at it and go, oh, okay, that's broken. We need to do X, Y, and Z to fix it. You know, you can, you can wrap your head around that. But when your body starts doing things like blood clots, um, I, I can maybe think of it, you know, if somebody gets cancer, like. Yeah, it's out of your control. 
at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's, it's like your body revolting against you, doing something against you, rather than me doing something against my body, and now I got to fix it. You know, and so... Yeah, that's got to be humbling to go through. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first time I think in my entire life I was afraid to go to sleep. Um, I was just sitting in the hospital room, and at this point, my, you know, my, at this point, my, my ex-wife was with me in the hospital, but we were separated. And it, it was kind of weird the way it all came about because she had just, she, we were separated. She had stopped by the house to do, to get some stuff and everything. And I was sitting on the couch and she just looked at me and she goes, you all right? And I said, no, I'm not. I don't feel well. Something's wrong. Mm. I just said, something's wrong. And she's like, well, should we go to the hospital? I was like, yeah, let's go. And, um, yeah, we went down and, and then we found the clots, but I was alone in my hotel room and I was just sitting there or, or, or hospital room and just, I didn't want to go to sleep. Like what emotionally, where were you? What was your mindset? I, I mean, I know when I met you, you're just full of energy, totally excited. And, and honestly, I got to talking to my friend after we met you. I'm like, I wonder if you can maintain that all the time. Cause that was, it's, it's encouraging of course, but it's all, I know how taxing that can be emotionally. I've always, you know, I've always been a pretty happy go lucky person. Yeah. That's, that's definitely easy to see. Yeah. You know, I've ever, and you know, not to say you don't have your times, you don't have your seriousness and blah, blah, blah and all those things. But, um, like I, I designed myself, um, I couldn't find greeting cards. So I designed my own and on it, I just put, I just put making it up by the seat of my pants since 1970, you know? Yes. Yes. And, uh, so just cause that's, I kind of like haven't really planned out a whole lot in my life. I just haven't been that way. Not to say for good or bad. It's just, just the way I am. You know, like you said, my attitude at this time was it's hard when I think back on it. I don't think that I was that off, but I run into people who definitely tell me I was. Let's put it that way. In my mind, I didn't really see it but there was a lot of you know people see me now especially and they're like they're like hey man they're like it's good to have you back period there where you were really you it was rough man for you huh yeah and not in like uh i was rough on people around me or anything like that it was just more there was definitely not the typical me put it that way did you delve into any depression or did you kind of stave that off I didn't, I didn't dive into depression. That's really surprising, you know? <laughs> no, totally. Um, I, and, and it's funny through this whole process, I'm really like through this whole process and over the last, just recently I've had, you know, I've had the epiphany that maybe, okay, maybe I should write all this down. If not for my own good, or maybe it would do somebody else some good. Cause people have talked to me. They've been like, dude, how have you kept such a good attitude through this whole thing? It's like, yeah, you weren't, you could tell you were broken down or you could tell you weren't you, but you, you, you definitely had a great attitude. Like, you know, you seem like you were, you were always moving at least the right direction. And, um, so I don't know, I, to tell you the truth, I don't know what that is. I don't know why I can do it. And maybe somebody else can't because I have, like I said, I have had some friends who go through this and, and they're really, they've really gotten in some super depressive states, even, even to the point where I, there's some people, some of my friends, close friends, I couldn't, I couldn't talk to them, you know, because they they were just so negative and so depressive that it was like, I don't, it's hard for me to say, but, but yeah, it was really hard for me to talk to them. Um, I, I've kept 
somehow I've kept a good attitude. I think that's mainly just because I haven't had, I've never had a plan. So, so there was no, like, uh, there was no real sense of derailing from a plan that you were trying to get to in the first place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, good way to put it. Like I never looked at it as like, Oh my God, now I won't be able to climb Everest, you know, or whatever, you know, you know, whatever it may be. It's a good way to go for this to happen. I guess, you know, I mean, maybe it's just lucky. And, and like I said, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of other things that, um, you know, not planning kind of gets you in trouble with. I mean, you're, you're talking to a guy who at 40 ended up with, you know, ended up at dead zero again. Dude, you are, you're talking to your younger self right here. So <laughs> you need to teach so, me some things. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, come on, what's some it, advice, man? Cause I got... <laughs> well, well, all you can say is this, all you say is this is, is I, you almost have to look at things in decades when I look back on it. Like, right. In my 20s, we were semi, like, we were insane in a lot of ways. Like, and, and when I say I have no plan, like, literally, like, I got out of college and a friend of mine owned a snowboard shop and he's like, hey, you know, this is even before I got out of college. He's like, you want to buy in? I'm like, all right. I just started snowboarding a year before. Sure, I'd grown up skiing, so I knew the industry. You know, I lived here. I don't know, jack, jack shit about running a snowboard shop, right? I love it. Yeah, I don't know anything, right? I was an art major for Christ's sakes, and uh, yeah, so, yeah, that so, really speaks a lot to your planning. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm gonna do it. And if you and if and if you looked at the financials for this snowboard shop, there'd be no way in hell anybody on this planet would go, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea." And I was putting my whole life savings ten thousand dollars, which is nothing really to drop in the bucket, but it's all I got. Right, right. I'm dumping all mine and and it's not, I mean, it's nothing, you know, but I got this thing to do. So I got something to do. Right. And I've always been very interested in just having something to do. Like I like having shit to do, you know? And so, uh, you know, I did that for five and a half years and ran its course and I sold out and I made, you know, walked away with $32,000 in my pocket. Right. You know, dumb luck, perfect timing. Right. The, the industry. And we had no idea what we were doing. None. All we knew was we, we, we were excited about this. Right. We were excited about snowboarding. We were excited about everything about it and the industry and how it was changing the skiing industry and whether they liked it or not or whatever. You know, so that was basically the plan. Buying the snowboard shop, work my ass off 80 hours a week and learn something. You know, and hopefully I have enough time off to go hang out, you know. That's honestly not a not a bad plan, and I'm sure you don't regret doing that. Oh, no, not at all. You know, but it, but it wasn't like, it, like when you say plan, like again, I don't know. It was like, I was just like, yeah, I always thought of myself as a business owner. So here we go. When I started my construction company uh, in 2000, uh, a couple years after um, selling the snowboard shop, I started a construction company and the first job I got was replacing the windows. I was at a dinner party and these people were like, or not the windows, but the doors are like, Oh, we need all our doors pulled and replaced. Do you, you want to do it? And I'm like, sure. Um, but there's one thing I didn't tell them this, but I, I'd never replaced a door in my life. How hard can it be? There's a couple yeah, of hinges. It it's yeah. square. Like, whatever. Give me this. 
went to Home Depot, got a book, bought some, you know, some more tools. And, and I had worked as a carpenter. So it wasn't like, you know, I'd framed houses, you know, and, and done stuff like that. I just never, I just never done interior trim and done a door, you know? How, how, so how'd it go? Uh, well, I, I got it done. It was all beautiful and everything. I probably made about four bucks an hour. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, I've definitely taken jobs like that. Yeah, but you you know, but I learned, right? Now I know how to put it indoors, right? I know what it takes. I know what that that you know, I guess the beauty of you know, thinking back on things like the beauty and my whole life revolves around failure in in every way cuz I I investigate failed buildings. That's my job. That's like my real world thing, right? I'm a, I'm a forensic carpenter, so we uh we, we you know, buildings fail. People screw them up. They fail. We come in. We figure out how to fix it, and we put it all back together. This is energy, ventilation, uh, structural, moisture issues, you know, mold, whatever it be. And I also consult on the front end to try to get people to not build so they will fail, right? Taking all those failures and going, okay, don't do this. Right, you know? right. And so that's like that part of my life. And then, you know, I look back on it, and I – the nice thing about sport, the nice thing about especially adventure sport and all that stuff is like the you got to have a thick skin as far as failure goes. If you don't like failing, you're going to have a long road ahead of you. Um, or if you don't understand that you're going to fail or, you know, it's it's going to be a long road for you. So I've never really had an aversion to failure, um, I don't think. Well, that's had to have served you well because, uh, yeah, fail- failure is like initiation in the world of adventure sports and outdoor stuff and honestly life. So, yeah, you, yeah. You, you've got some good tools in your tool belt, man, that have helped you carry through this trial. Yeah, you know, and, and, it, and it's kind of that old thing. If you're going to be, you know, dumb, you might, or if you're going to be, uh, you know, stupid, you better be tough as well. Mm hmm. So for better or worse, you go through life doing things the way you do them. Um, I think the biggest thing that's come over the last eight years, though, is the realization that you don't have to keep repeating them. What, your failures, you mean? Yeah. Okay. You don't need to keep repeating your your failures or even your – you can redefine yourself. You can – reinvent who you are, how you look at yourself, how you perceive yourself. And I think, unfortunately, I I find it's really hard for people to to get that and to be comfortable with it. Have the ankle injuries kind of accelerated that for you? Because you you, you probably had a lot of identity wrapped in your ability to do things, because I know I do. And I I can't do the things I did even a couple years ago because of some knee injuries. And it really causes me to change my entire mindset on everything. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. How are, how are you doing? I, 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 one of the biggest questions I like asking people is how, how are you redefining or, or accepting your reality? Are you asking me? Yeah. Um, curious. Yeah, I, I suffered an injury about almost a year ago now. I was first of all, I did a big bike trip where I just really over overextended my knees um, to the point where I was putting a lot of pressure on my. I, now I know it's my patellar tendon. Then I mm-hmm. just played basketball after the trip and and uh, went up for a putback and uh, 
came down and just it felt totally i mean it was painful and so i stopped playing and uh it has not been the same since gone to a lot of physical therapy and looking into what to do now but i i went from you know i'm a college athlete uh very you know really good cyclist i mean for me i i, I thought i was all right loved to bike loved to be super active and i i honestly can't hardly do anything right now and i think it's definitely humbled me. Um, I understand what people say when like your body changes over time. I'm pretty young. I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years behind you. Um, okay. I'm not even, not 30 yet, but it's like, dang, you know, am I going to be this limited going into my thirties? I, but I don't want it to, I just don't want those negative thoughts to just basically encapsulate me, you know? Yeah. And so I, I've kind of turned to work and turned to, focusing on a lot smaller joys and then uh and trying not to live in the past I'm, I'm sure it's going to get better with time but it's like it's taken a lot longer than i expected so yeah i don't well, know I'm, you're... I'm just learning how to deal with it so yeah no that's and that and i you know what i have to say it's it's really good to hear you though say that you're you're learning you are learning how to deal with it um because a lot of people that I talk to, they're not willing to do that. And what what do they do? Like, what? How, how do you know that? Are they like well, are they like the guy that just talks about you know the high school football team forty years later, and that's all I can talk about? <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, you know, and and you have that like it's not just football; it's it's everything. Right. You know, um, people hark back to a better day. Like I was starting to say, like in your twenties, yeah. you're a lunatic and you're trying to just figure out, you know, this world you got, you know, you're trying to plan, but you really don't have a plan or you might think you know what you want, but you don't. And it's just fine. You know, you're, you're, you're an idiot. You know, you're in your twenties. It's just the way it goes. And you start getting to the end of your twenties and you start <laughs> going like, Oh yeah. All right. Time to start maybe figuring something out, you know, like yeah. some sort of thing. And then you hit your 30s and the 30s is like building. That's when you're building things around you. You're building mm. your, and I think that's really when you start in your late 20s in your 30s, you really start building that, that real identity of what, of where you where you know, the stories that you tell about yourself. Um, it's a, it's, and, and it's okay. You know, you've, you've got, you've got experience and you got energy at that point. Yes. Okay. And, and so you, right. You know, cause you've got through your twenties, so you kind of beat yourself up and you figure some things out and then you got some experience and, you know, experience. It's like, it's like everybody says, you know, how, how do you do what you do? Well, I got good judgment. Why well, do I have good judgment? Cause I have experience. I have experience because I have bad judgment. <laughs> and you know, so you like, All right, I'm writing that right, down. Right? So, you, so you've gone through these cycles, right. And you get to your thirties and you're like, I still got a ton of energy. And now I kind of got like a, somewhat of a clue and some discipline that you can probably actually do things yeah and i got maybe like this and i'm starting to identify who i am and what i'm doing and you start building that and that's good right you're building that i think the problem is it depends on what you're building and how you're building it and how your mindset is while you're building it because you can really drive yourself into an identity crisis in your 30s that when you hit your forties, 
you all of a sudden, I don't care what anybody says about midlife crisis and all that It's real. You're, you're going to hit your 40s. And some people buy the sports car. Some people have affairs. Some people, they, it's all different spectrums, but everybody goes through it. Like you go through this time period where all of a sudden you go, wait a second, I'm now halfway there. Wow. Like I'm going to die. Right. It's because you know, you're going to die. Everybody knows they're going to die. Right. You know, but when you're in your twenties and thirties, it's way down the road, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it's over there. Right. You know, and you know, which is really stupid because we're, none of us are guaranteed anything. Right. So, so you're not guaranteed a long time. Right. So, no. so the fact that we do think that way, even when we're in our twenties is really kind of weird because I mean, especially with the things like, you know, I mean, we, we traveled around the, for the most of my twenties, we, in teens, we traveled around the Western United States trying to drown ourselves in some waterfall or hole or creek. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing on the road trying to get hit by semis. Yeah. Right. You know, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, okay. You know, so you're like, yeah, I'm going to live forever. Right. Um, <laughs> not at this rate. Um, so, you know, you do these things, you, you plod through and I think the, the biggest thing we, you run into that I've found is that you get these injuries when you're younger, you can recover easier. It depends how much you put yourself through, but when I was younger, I, yes, I would hinder myself pretty badly, but I could recover with minimal effort. So did I go as far as I should have in those time periods to really make sure I was recovered? No. Now I'm paying for it. So how, how has that changed your mindset around your identity? Like, has it been a difficult transition for you? Yeah. So, so basically it's like, I, I start a lot of my talks telling people it's like, you know, the object of flying lies in throwing yourself at the ground and missing. Right. Right. But evidently the world in my attempts to fly, the world is an extremely large target and it's pretty damn hard. So you can only try this experiment for so long. Okay. Before things you, before you have to get smarter, right. And you have to realize that, that you, yes, you are going to die. Okay. We're all going to die. It might sound morbid. It might sound like a weird thing to think, but if you really, to tell you the truth, if you keep in mind every day that someday I'm going to die, I might want to make what I've got right now the most pleasurable I can make it. Born from logging and exploration, Danner Boots is a Pacific Northwest original. Every boot is handmade to hold up in unforgiving conditions and live up to their unyielding standards. The Stronghold Work Boot is what happens when more than 85 years of legendary quality, durability, and heritage runs into modern construction, technology, and materials. You get tomorrow's classic today, the Stronghold Work Boot. Check them out or find a local store at danner.com. Yeah, that's a great, and I'll be honest, I, I actually, I don't look at it as morbid at all. I, it's something I do think about quite a bit, and I bring it up a lot. Like, it's really, I don't know, I mess with my dogs a lot. They'll like, they'll be up in my face, and I'll be like, you know, you're not going to be here much longer. You're already seven years old, and I'm just kidding with them, but my wife is like, well, stop it. <laughs> like, don't tell them that. <laughs> I'm like, you just got to remember because they might not be here in just, just a few years. And, uh, but yeah, I know that it is a problem for people, but I think you and I are kind of similar in that way. 
death is definitely something I think about a lot. Yeah, and and, and it kind of puts a lot of things in perspective because we we have a very, you know, and just wrapping it back around to adventure sports. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed that in adventure sports, every now and then you meet somebody who's a tad bit competitive, you know, and so they have such a drive and such a way forward. Now, it's kind of odd because I am like the most uncompetitive person in the world. I really don't care about competition. I like to have fun, but I'm really not competitive. I might be competitive with myself a bit. Mm. I, I do want to grow all the time and I do want to go forward. But like with other people, I'm like, whatever. But, you know, if you spend all that time, there's a lot of time spent in comparison in that state. If you're in a competitive state, basically you're comparing, right, to everything around you in that state. And we do this right now in society more than anything else. Just look at Instagram, look at Facebook, look at Twitter. It is a constant, overwhelming comparison to everything out there in the world. Yeah. Even if you don't want it to be that you just, it's a slippery slope the moment you get on. Mm -hmm. And so you have this ability to get racked up in not only your own identity, but how your identity transfers to everything else around you and everybody else around you. So you take somebody who's super competitive and has been comparing, basically to be competitive, you have to compare yourself to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, by definition, right. That's the whole meaning of it. (laughs) And what is it? Comparison is the the robbing of of the present joy. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're doing that. So you'd be going through life comparing yourself to everything else around you and competing. And now all of a sudden you can't do what you used to do. You don't, you can't compete at that level. Yeah. You're not there. And, and it, it could happen slowly. It could happen traumatically. You know, I have friends who have, you know, one friend who had uh, five hip surgeries in the past, like four years, five years. And just, you know, one catastrophe thing after another happened to him, you know, infections or, or replacement went wrong or whatever it may be. Or then he went out and went out and did things too early and then broke it down too fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then I have another friend who was paragliding total badass, and she just shattered both of her feet and one leg really bad. And now she's like, you know, super competitive, super outgoing outdoors person, you know, and now she's just, she's hobbled up been, and you don't have much patience in that situation too, because you're a competitive person. Competitive people aren't patient. It's really difficult. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so it's very hard to sit back and go, okay, I need to take years to recover years. Oh, and, and it's, it's hard because, you know, you, your prime is only so long. Even if you exactly. stay completely healthy, I think like, dang, if this lasts five years, a good chances I'll never do this at a level that I want to ever again. Yep. Ever. Yeah. Yep. All you have to do is God. look at football players, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Team sports is super easy to example. See. Like yep. you got some guy top of the world, blah, 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 you know, like for two, three years, just tearing up the league, doing whatever he's doing. One major injury out for a season and yeah never quite really comes back. And one of the reasons why is because they're, they're rushed back they right, are. to make yeah. their living. 
you know? Um, yeah. There, I think there was a guy on the Steelers that like he tackled a few years ago. He's 25. I mean, just a stud of specimen. The guy went to this ceremony. I think it was the ESPY Awards and he hobbled on stage because he was paralyzed. And I'm yep. like, you are 25 years old. You are capable of anything in the world, and you're and you 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 have to hold your wife's shoulders to 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 walk. Now, yeah. How how messed up is your mind, and how much do you have to get through to even yep. want to continue on in life? Yeah, God. And 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 the best part about it, the the, the best thing I I try to tell people, because if we we'll, if we we'll circle back around to like that mindset, that broken mindset. And getting through it is the realization that there are a billion things to do in this world. Yeah. And so many of them, you're, you're not a one trick pony. I, I know people like to think they are. And, and trust me, you know, I, I've had a struggle with myself, but there's this identity that you have around what you are. But you were not one trick ponies. And, and this is, and, and I've seen some of my other friends do this. Personally, I, I went through a stage where I go, okay, I am, I need to write. I'm, like I said, not an academic person. I'm a horrible writer. Not that I don't have good ideas. I just technically, I'm really, really bad at the English language. <laughs> I don't get it. Like I just don't, you know? And mm. so, but I told myself, I was like, like any skill, I can get better at it. Um, you know, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't hucking 30 foot waterfalls first day of kayaking. I was swimming down the Gunnison river. So right. You know, boat in one hand paddle in the other. And so you have like you, if you're, if you're able to realize that you're, you're not, just the sum of one thing you can really change your mind you can really find if you open it up if you allow yourself to open up and see everything for what it is then see that the world is full of just a massive amount of amazing things it's you know like motorcycling did this to me i've lived in crestview gunnison area for and i did a little time in northwest denver i live in colorado in this same area for 30 years I got motorcycle three years ago for a trip to Baja and I started doing small trips around Crested Butte. Now, an hour and a half on a motorcycle, two hours, you're ready to get off. Like it's, you need to get off, get a cup of coffee. It has opened up a whole new world of places within a hundred mile radius of Crested Butte that I never knew existed. And without the motorcycle, I wouldn't have found that. And, and that's okay for your ankles is why you had to kind of forced into that. Not forced, but that became an option. Yeah, it became an option. Like, I can ride a motorcycle, you know. Um, yeah. It was interesting, you know, soloing through, you know, sandy back road desert in Baja, you know, with a bad ankle and having to walk with a cane and stuff like that but i made it right right you know i mean it was it was slow and somewhat painful at some times and, and very you know very you know i didn't make many miles but you know but i was doing things that were completely hard and challenging and out of my scope and it was a freaking blast wow. and 
you discovered that. And then last year, my friend and I loaded up the bikes and we went all the way down to Huatuco, Mexico, which is down in Oaxaca on the south coast, right down and, and another friend of ours. And we went down the spine through all the mountain country. Yeah. Yep. And you want to talk about just seeing things that are just just the opening up of a world when you all of a sudden your whole life doesn't revolve around a mountain bike all the time. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? And Absolutely. it's like in mountains, but I love mountain bike and I'm so glad I can do it again, you know, cause I haven't for about three years. And this year is the first year back where I can really go out and do 25, 30 mile rides, you know, on a regular wow. basis, not, you know, not be stuck on the couch the next day or for two days. And yeah, that that's where I am. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I can and do so, something, but I'm going to pay for it for like a week. Yeah. And, and those are the things where that, that can get discouraging. Trust me, man. Monday morning I woke up, I had, I had a weekend where I did a bunch of yoga and I did a bunch of working out and I, you know, every morning I have to walk with a cane for like the first 15 minutes. I can't get to the bathroom without it. Mm. Like I can't, you know, it's like, or I'm crawling. Literally, because I'm in so much pain God. when I wake up, and that's just every morning. And Monday morning, man, it was tough. It was really hard. But if you if you set yourself up with the fact that that's not everything, your ability to get out of bed and run to the bathroom is not everything. Your ability for the rest of the day is everything. Your ability to get up and walk out on the at, at you know at five degrees, walk out on the you know, front porch and, you know, shorts and fire breathe for, you know, two minutes in a, sh- you know, in just shorts, come back in, do your yoga, do your stretching, get your, you know, journal, write a, write a, a gratitude email to somebody, put yourself out there, you know, like as, as soon as you're able to, to realize that it's outside of you, everything, you know, you know what I'm saying it's not all about this one thing that's when you're able to kind of deal and, and get around it. And, you know, and then by the time I'm cooking breakfast, I can, you know, I can walk again. Right. Wow. And, and I'm okay. And the rest of the day, and then, you know, it gets a little harder at the end of the day. I got to sit down, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll get a little bit, you know, I'll get to, you know, but, but I've re re-engineered my life. I've, uh, you know, into, like I said, now I'm writing a blog, you know, so I'm sitting down more, right? You know, and yeah, yeah, and uh, and working on my next poetry book, and you know, I'm designing things, and I'm inspecting, and I'm and I'm consulting. So I'm not, you know, I'm not carrying around a tool belt all day. Like I had to make those decisions, and and let me tell you, this doesn't just I try, I you know, the carpentry world, like these guys, you you go carpenter your whole life, you get into your fifties, dude, it starts getting hard. You know, yes. you fall off a couple roofs you back up you do whatever you do it takes its toll and these guys don't that's what they know how to do you want to talk about reinventing yourself like sports is one thing you want to start reinventing your whole livelihood man now we're talking some depression Uh, depression and pressure yeah pressure like i gotta make a living right yeah support myself gotta pay my bills and i can't i can't climb up on this ladder like i used to or carry around all this weight hold this nail gun whatever or or i can do it but i can do it for four hours and that's it right that's my day right you know and um so which one of those was most daunting to you 
reinventing what you enjoy doing for, for adventure or for work? I think, I think it all kind of melded together. I think they all help each other to tell you the truth. Hmm. Um, I had already, before really getting, before the ankles really became bad, I had already started making a transition into the building science world and, uh, doing energy audits, getting trained on, on, you know, on, on, uh, green building, better building practices, all kinds of stuff. And so that kind of had already started. So I had a little bit of a base there to, of something else. And I was also growing my knowledge, like anything you can do to grow your value. Right. So uh, take motorcycling through Mexico that I look at that and I'm like huge value. Yeah. Right. To me and to people around me, because I have now experienced something and I've actually experienced a culture. I'm not saying you got to do it on a motorcycle. Just go to a third world country and hang out. Right, right. See what that's about, man. You know, even if it's in a major city, just look, observe it and understand it. And like that is a value in you now. Right. To see, especially as an American, to see like the fact that we are <laughs> most privileged people on the face of the earth right now. And, and I know we, we have a lot in the news that says how bad it is and how decisive and boss all stuff like, man, it's never been better. Dude, I can't agree more. We got it. We got it made. I mean, yeah, I don't have to worry about survival. The only, no. my, my stresses and my issues are really about luxury. You know, yep. am I going to be able to do this bike trip? I want to, am I going to be able to make this much money? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all yeah. kind of luxurious standard stuff. Yeah. When you're, when you're in the, in the middle of nowhere in, in the mountains of Mexico on this nasty ass freaking road on a, you know, in this, and I've got a beautiful piece of machinery in this BMW 1200 GS underneath me powering through all this, you know, and I'm, and I'm puckered, right. Getting through it. And two kids, come by you on a freaking little 125 with their no helmets with their school clothes on like yeah yeah, yeah what's up you know and you're like holy cow and you're like all right i ain't such a <laughs> 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 yeah i'm man. just a privileged american yeah you know out in the back country of a country you know and these people this is their everyday commuting road yeah this is how they get to school and back you know the guy Guy comes by you in a two-wheel drive Toyota truck, box truck with that's you know delivering chips to the next town, <laughs> and I'm like, "Where are you going, dude?" Oh, you know, <laughs> he's like, "What the heck? You need that thing for?" Yeah, you know, that's he's so like funny. all excited. He's like, you know, out the window, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> that's so it's, funny. Yeah, you know, and so I think it's you know when I when I talk to people about. You know, and I ask them about how they're dealing with their realities. It's um, if if we can all just really realize that we are not just one thing. We are we can be. I'm not saying you have to be an expert in all this stuff. I've I've written a poetry book. I have a poetry book out. Do I consider myself a poet? Not in the least. Um, I'm just a guy who writes poetry, but I but I get an immense amount of joy out of it. Right? Yeah. So. Do I have to be a poet? Do I have to identify myself as that? No. I'm still getting a lot of joy out of the situation. 
By now you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. The Adventure Sports Podcast is also brought to you by Powder 7 Ski Shop. Powder 7 is Colorado's premier homegrown and family-owned ski shop. Online at powder7.com, they offer a huge selection of new and used ski gear, plus full tech and boot fitting services at their shop in Golden. With personalized customer service, they set up skiers from all over the world with perfect gear. From brands like Kessley, Rosignol, Black Crows, and Head, Powder 7 is all skiing all the time. So check out powder7.com to learn more. Now, back to the episode. And that's that's good for me to hear um, because I have so much identity wrapped up in these like uh, few sports that I have done a lot in. And I know, you know, most people have, feel that way because there's only so much time and energy you have to like devote to something. But it makes me think, you talking like, what are the chances that I found my greatest passions within me the, the things that I'm going to love more than anything. What's the chances I've actually found those things? Probably pretty slim. The reason you're into these things, someone introduced you, you did it in school. If you try something else, you have no idea what kind of desires are in you until you start discovering them. And if you're limited and you can't do the things that you thought you loved this much, that's super encouraging. There are millions of things to try. And... The fact that I do what I do is really just a matter of, of chance. I happen to play basketball. I happen to get on a bike one day. But it's almost like, you know, when you get married, what are the chances this is the only person for me? Well, it's pretty slim. You know what I mean? There's yeah. lots of people I would connect with. Uh, yep. And there's lots of, I'm sure, passions that everyone can connect with. But when you're forced to discover them, I mean, it sounds like a blessing in disguise, really. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, you know, that's the embracement of failure. Um, failure comes in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of people think of failure as something, something, you know, bad, but it's, you know, it's like, okay, so in, in 95, I'm doing a photo shoot as Santa Claus on a snowboard. And I told it it's Christmas time and they want somebody to dress up in a Santa suit. So they come over and snowboard, they come over to the snowboard shop, uh, you know, own work in, and they talk me into it and I go, listen, dude, I'm giving you one run, one run because I, you know, I mean, we're nuts, right? We're putting out 65 boards a day. We're, right. you know, small snowboard, you know, I'm like, I don't have time for this. Photographer and I go out, I come through these trees, look down, I see rocks. I'm fogged up from the Santa suit. I turn the board sideways, which is what you're not supposed to do. 
and land ass first right on the rock and break my pelvis. God. Right? So you're like oh. failure, right? Not only, okay, so you're thinking like you're laying there and I'm like, son of a right? Yeah. Total failure, right? It turns out not such a failure because the, the photos went across the country. My mom was like, oh my God, you know, in New York, you're in the paper, right? You know, because if, if I got in a picture, if they got in a picture of Santa snowboarding, eh, all right, Santa snowboarding, breaks his pelvis, Christmas is called off. That's another story, <laughs> right? <laughs> failure, not failure. Yeah. I don't know. Then that's funny. Then it exasperates an already bad back, right? In the long run, and I can't. I'm Zoolander. I can't turn left. Like seriously, if I turn quickly to my left, I'll hit the ground. Like I, it, my side, my nerves, all the stuff. Like I got pinched nerve. I got all really? kinds of. Oh yeah, I'm a mess. I'm 25 years old, and my girlfriend's like, hey. At the time, she's like, I'm signed you up for the Subak Dote thing. Andy runs it. He's got a super bad back. He's got this whole thing about bad backs. I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't have to pay for it. So I go down. I start doing this fit back workout in the winter of 95. This is now the winter of 96. I start doing this fit back workout. Every morning, I go to the shop. I lay on the floor, and I start doing this little thing with some yoga involved in it. I've had a yoga stretching strengthening routine now for what 27 years wow every morning i miss some mornings some mornings are more some mornings are less depending on how much time i have integrated this integrated that failure no not in the long run Hmm. right so you know unfortunately we feel like we're failures when these things happen Right. I did not feel when I'm laying there on the gurney getting pulled off the mountain and we only made it halfway down this run. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, OK, A, I've busted myself up. B, we didn't get the photo shoot done. So this guy doesn't have his thing. I'm stuck in the Santa suit. Can't take it off. So they can't put it on somebody else. You know, all that stuff. Right. So thing after another. And in the end, you got to look at it as like, wow, that experience opened up some big doors for me. Interesting. And I've never had back problems, you know, after five, six years of doing all that, I don't have back problems anymore. That's a great, it's a great story. Yeah. It's like just, how it's, random. First of yeah, all, right? you're Santa and on a snowboard. Let You being Santa on a snowboard led to you not having back pain. What the hell is that about? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Breaking my pelvis. Right. So um, it's all the whole thing of like, oh, what bad luck. We'll see. Wow. Right. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you, there's no way to predict that. Like, no way to predict yeah. how those things line up. Right. And so those, those are the things, you know, it's things lead to another and, and in your life. And if you let it and you pay attention to it and you think, and you, and that's why I love meditation because I think I really do believe in meditation. However you can do it, just do it. Don't, don't get too technical. Just, sit down for two, three minutes and, and be, be grateful for, for, for a bunch of stuff, right? I, what, however you want to do it. And, um, you know, I've integrated it over the years on and off. And in the past, like five years, it's been almost every morning and, uh, you know, 10, 12 minutes. And, um, it allows you to stop, man, just stop for a second and think 
and and be okay inside your brain right and just and it and it sucks nobody does it right everybody goes i suck at it i go yeah everybody sucks at it it's horrible it's like nobody knows how to do it nobody if anybody tells you you know how to do it and they're enlightened and all that they're full of crap you know it's it's called a practice for a reason right right never ending right (laughs) yeah you know absolutely Um, so so i think those abilities to to really stop stop comparing ourselves stop competing and and i'm not saying that competition's a bad thing the problem is is competition on in in like everything i find to be very uh a very toxic state mm. in in people like it's it's cool like you want to be competitive you want to be good at stuff i get it but when you're constantly the problem is with it. I go back to that. It's that comparison thing. It rips the joy out of stuff when you're constantly competing. Yes. Whether, you know, be with yourself, it just, you're constantly comparing and you're constantly taking the joy out because you're comparing. You're not just letting it be what it'll be. Um, and so it's, there's a surrender factor in a lot of this recovery and you know, that's a, that it's huge when you, when you just have to say like, all right, I surrender to this. I need to get better. And that could be a mental thing. That could be a work thing. That could be, you know, a physical thing, whatever it is. When you surrender to the point of just being like, all right, this needs to change. This needs to be different. How do we do it? Like I need to be different. I need to look at this differently. I need to change then we're on this we're on the right path what what's your perspective on like the 25 year old going balls to the wall now what do you do, do you reach out to that person do you just let them figure it out on their own like what do you what's your approach how do you view that um i well i think like i said before i think there's a lot of it's just what you do in your 20s right it's 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 that time period of your life and that's what you're built for in that time period of your life um yeah but but I will say that if you, even if you can just listen a little bit to people around you, and I think, I think listening is a, it's, it's a really hard thing to do for most of us. I struggle with it. I have to remind myself all the time, shut up, listen. Mm. And, um, you know, and really listen, like physically listen listen with your eyes, listen with your ears. If we can all learn that a little bit younger, pay heed and just pay attention and be okay with it. <laughs> Being okay. I think, I think another big thing is the failure. The nice thing about failing a lot is I think it allowing people to fail and, and, and being sympathetic to it, not being judgmental about the failure, right? When people fail around you, not be like, Hey, you dumbass. You know, you know, don't take, be like, all right, cool. Well, let's fix it with with our children with everybody being like yeah it happens man we all do it yeah, you know, yeah. Be, and because we have we, one thing that i that i find more in my business than anything else is because i'm investigating okay i'm investigating billing failures the reason why the billing failures is because somebody messed up right yeah so really i'm investigating human failure it's very hard very 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 hard for people to be wrong it's extremely hmm. hard for people to go, whoop, screwed that up. 
Yeah. But what I do find more than anything, if I'm going to tell somebody in their twenties, like, like if I was going to tell me, like if, if we re rearrange that question into what would I tell my 25 year old self? Mm, yeah. like what advice would I give my 25 year old self? Right. That's a, that's a really big question. Tim Ferriss always asks that question to people. I don't, you know, I don't know if it would be advice is more of just like, dude, like just take a second to really pay attention and listen, mm. you know, and just soak some more stuff in and be wrong. It's and, and the biggest thing I think I would say, it's like, it's okay. You can just be wrong. It's all right. And the, and the, and, and I find that the more people are the people I work with in the consulting world, when like we go, okay, here's the problem, right? You know, you go, okay, here's the leak because of this. They go, if the people are willing to go, especially like the project manager go, oh, all right, well, we screwed that up. Like just to say that, like, oh, well, that screwed up. Not he screwed it up. They screwed it up. The guy before me screwed it up, whatever it is, just be like, own it. It's like amazing how you can just move forward and be like, oh, cool. Here we go. Time to fix it. Right, right. Like you've got over all the bullshit and you can just fix it. And you can move forward. It's really hard to move forward when there's the blame thing going on, when there's the pointing and the accusing, things like that. It's really hard to move forward from that spot hmm. with solutions. So, uh, so what, what, what's on your radar for adventures? What do you got going on? I know you don't make plans, so <laughs> you don't have to say it too, too far ahead, but, uh, well, my, what, my what's going through your mind? <laughs> my girlfriend and I just got back from Alaska and we wanted to bring the kids there. And, uh, we were like, oh my God, we're turning 50 in two years. And, and, and I wanted to ride motorcycles all the way to Patagonia. Um, Dude. and, more we looked into that, more we were like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, just because of, I, I, like my best friend that I would do it with has a right now a three year old. He would have a five year old at the time, you know, being gone for six months, probably not going to happen. <laughs> you know, things like that. It was like, logistically, you were a little like, okay. Yeah, you were like, yeah, I don't know if this is really going to happen. But then once we were up in Alaska, we were like, we want to show the kids this. And then, like, our kids are older. So she, you know, they're all driving age. And so, we're like, oh my God, we get a camper, like a burly camper and put it on the back of the, of the 3,500 and the kids can drive that. We'll ride motorcycles because we all turn 50 the same year and we'll go all the way up the Canadian coast to Alaska. Dude, and, uh, that is, I did that on a bike one time. Yeah, dude, that must have been, I'll hit you up. I'd love to get some information. Yeah, rad. Alaskan highway, you know, the Canadian border, um, uh, or the, the coast, it was it was rad. Um, yeah, we just and and no no like you said about the plan thing. If we make it to Alaska, we make it to Alaska. If we don't, we don't. Yeah, you know, I like mean, like take it as like one yeah. of those things. Like if we want to spend four days somewhere, we'll bring the mountain bikes, the paddle boards. You know, like just load it up and 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 everybody can just have fun. If we want to spend four days somewhere, we spend four days somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you you could do that at so many points it's really hard to continue sometimes yeah because it's it's just epic from start to finish yeah and just you know like not have a we need to be and and a friend of mine actually said he said the best way if you want to do that he said he goes i would take the ferry first go up 
because then you don't have to be anywhere specifically for a ferry ride on uh. the way back. So once you get there, you can just work your way back. That's actually a, and you, I mean, the ferry ride's going to be cool in itself. Yeah. Right. Know? Yeah. That, that so. actually sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. You know, we're, we're still in the infantile stages of figuring this out, but, uh, but there's that and there's always other things, man. I'm like, I've been chomping at the bit to get on the moto, but it's been too cold. And, um, you know, mountain bike season's over. I'm done. I'm ready to ski again. I haven't skied really. I haven't really skied in years. And I think this year I'm recovered enough where I can start skiing a bit more, doing some backcountry. Give it a uh, shot. Yeah. Give it a little bit more up, up that game just a little bit. Um, not nearly as much, you know, not nearly as the, at the level I used to. Um, you know, we're not hawking anything or anything like that. But right, right. I haven't done that in a long time, but uh, you know, we're still, I'm still having a blast, and um, and and I think that's that's the that's the key is like, man, just realize that we're very lucky to just be out, especially to live yeah. in places that we live and, and and enjoy this. Having a lot of gratitude in your life can help, and I know it sounds all woo woo and 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 kind of hippy dippy but it really is huge to have a lot of gratitude in your life and you know this ain't no dress rehearsal so no, no get out something it doesn't have to be the best thing in the world but do something you know and have fun doing it dude that's yeah. exactly what we say on the show just just get out there like i don't care if you just go look look at the viewpoints like do something yeah it's like it's like your free solo guy you know, talking about how like, yeah, if I have a rope on, I'm at this level. Like I'm pushing it. I'm going through. But when I'm free soloing, I'm backed off down to here. Yeah. I mean, nothing's hard. Zone, nothing's right. Hard. I'm in safety yeah. zone. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the enjoyment level. Right. Is being there. And that's cool. I don't have to be tearing up the world. But I have, but my enjoyment is at this, at this level here. And yes. uh, so, uh, so I think there's a, oh, especially once you get broken enough, you, 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 I don't think you can really deny the fact that at some point you got to go, oh, okay. Dude, I, I've fallen in love with just w like walking, yeah. hiking, but just yeah. walking around, like that's about all I can do. And then it starts to hurt after a few hours and I'm like, man, you know, I'm just really happy to be looking at these mountains, to be here, to take the, so I've gotten into photography more. And so, you know, there's all these, yep. it's just going to lead you to new and new things. So I yeah. appreciate this conversation personally, Good. and, and I, I guarantee other people are going to as well, because once you start talking about it, man, so many people are going through this kind of transition and it, it's hard for a lot of them. Yeah, it is. It really is hard. I, I have a lot of friends. We've gone through and serious depression, serious depression. Absolutely. I've been lucky, extremely lucky to not have had that. Not that I haven't had hard times, trust me. Yeah. But I really haven't had like a depression. Um, I've had, you know, broken heart, but that's a little different. Um, yeah, it sucks too, though. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it does suck. <laughs> but, but you know that that in the turn led me to realize you know the person I'm with now having that broken heart years ago led taught me how to it taught me a lot about who I need to love and and led me to the person I'm with now who I'm I'm like 
it's kind of stupid how giddy I am about the whole situation. So, yeah. Man, that's love, man. (laughs) That'll do it to you. Turn you back into a kid. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate it. And yeah, share this with your friends that are going through it. And I I know that uh, I just know a lot of people going through this. So I, I appreciate your willingness to talk about it. Yeah, and and like I said, I am working on writing all this down. I, I I have a feeling that at some point it will become a book. Um, kind of this whole, you know, a, a process, my process, and other people's process. So if anybody wants to share things they're going through, um, I'm, you know, hit me up. Um, How do they get in touch with you? Um, well, uh, email is uh, Bart Lemel. L A so it's B A R T L A E M M E L at Gmail um dot com. Uh phone number is nine seven zero nine zero one eight 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 one. Um I'm on Instagram as Bull Diggy B U L L D I G G Y. Um that comes that's a nickname from a nickname. I used to be called the Bulldog. Um, the main, main reason for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I uh, and I'm on Facebook under Bart Lemel. And, um, so yeah, I mean, messenger, you know, spoke signal me or just show up here in Crested Butte and ask around and somebody will find me. Yeah. You know, I've been here long enough. I'm, I'm yeah. almost, lo- almost local. You had a Mohawk when I saw you. So I don't know if you still have it. If you do, it's easy to spot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, you know, uh, uh, I'd love to talk to people about this cause I want to get their experiences. I want to see how they're dealing with it. If they have any tricks, um, you know, routines, whatever it might be. Um, or, or if they want some tricks and routines, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to share. So, well, man, thank you so much for, uh, for being on here and not uh, a problem. Yeah. I'll, I'll hit you up anytime I'm in the area. Please do for sure, man. And I'm, right. uh, when I, if I'm down in Denver, I'll do the same. All right, dude. Excellent. Well, you have a wonderful day. Enjoy it. You too, man. Okay. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. Uh, you can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Uh, again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. And links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening. And y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right. Later. Don't forget, if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com and use ASP20 at checkout.